Hello, world. Hello, universe. Hello, everyone. I just, I picture us being projected out into the stars because I just feel like positivity is abounding today. I'm here with Adam Karsh. Caitlin Green is driving from, where is she driving from, Adam? From the Kawarthas. It's uh, northeast of Toronto. Caitlin is driving from the Kawarthas. I have to get on a plane. So, you know, Adam and I have said, screw you, Caitlin. <laughs> no. <laughs> we miss you, Caitlin. Totally. And uh, we've, we've got, I've got so many things to talk about. And I'm going to have to probably bring this up again when we see Caitlin. Um, we've got a great show for you today. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff that's going on in the world. But we've also got the two beautiful, talented, charismatic hosts from Project Bakeover. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany Pratt and Stephen Stephen Hodge. That's it. No, I'm there. I'm there with it. You were good. I just, I was thinking, I, 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 I don't even have notes in front of me. That's how excellent my memory is. Um, yeah, they're with us today. Talk about great people. Tiffany is, I mean, they're both just so great on the show. This is the second season on the Food Network. And uh, their first episode just aired. Um, yeah, so you got to tune in and catch up. Where, where, I wonder where they can catch up on season one. Probably the Food Network dot something or other. Probably. And and your favorite streaming stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we've got that. And then we've got a whole bunch of other stuff going on in the world. Um, the slap Ooh. heard from... <laughs> oh, I saw that. I wasn't watching, but I've... Uh, yeah, we're talking about the Will Smith... Um, Chris Rock debacle. Um, I had not, I wasn't watching it. It was my birthday on Sunday. Thank you very much. No, thank you. Ah, the crowd ah, goes wild. I, tur- I turned 60. Yay. Um, and anyway, I, you know, just turned on my phone. I was, I had a great day, great weekend with my pals. A few friends came over, which was, it's still weird having friends over. And um, my, like I've never seen such a, my thread was just bonkers. Like I'm just ripping through it, Adam. I'm trying to figure out what is going on here. Then there was a clip. Um, of course, everyone thought it was a setup that Will got up out of his chair and walked towards. And I didn't have the sound on. I, I wasn't listening to mm-hmm. commentary or anything. And then I just see this really big, very realistic slap, which turns out that it was realistic because it was an actual slap. Thank it God was. it wasn't a punch. That would have knocked me out. The force of that slap, and I know people have been talking about it, but that would have knocked me out. It was quite the slap. And it was, I, I don't even, I'm telling you, nothing you don't already know. Uh, a, a poorly thought out joke, perhaps, but aren't they all? My God, I've told so many off color jokes in my life. And I have absolutely offended people on stage. I've spent a great many hours in the last 40 years standing in front of people with a microphone in your hand. But um, they, they, they both miss the mark. But you never, ever hit anybody. That's my feelings about it. You know, say what you will. You don't have to think it's funny. Mm-hmm. You know, I happen to think that G.I. Jane, which was the joke, G.I. Jane 2, because... Um, Jada Pinkett 
uh, Smith has alopecia and it is hair falling out from various, a, a very traumatic disease for anybody losing your hair, uh, man, woman, whoever it's, it is not anything to, to poke fun at. Right. Nor is any kind of disability. I get that. But yet, you know, comedians are going to do that and they do it all the time. What's scary is, and I hope this isn't the case, it sets a precedent. If you don't like something. Right. If, if a performer, whether it's a comedian, whoever, whatever you're doing on stage, if someone in the audience doesn't like what you said, well, Will Smith went up and smacked him. I can too because I didn't like it. Oh, yeah. That's scary. That- that's been talked about a lot and you, mm-hmm. you make a good point, Adam. And I, it's, you know, I'm, I'm up talking about things and whether it's a, whether it's politically uh, motivated that you're talking about or about a certain group of people, comedians, you know, a woman sent me a tweet because I don't know what I had said about it. I was kind of trying to stay on the fence and just reading all this stuff. But this woman wrote me and she said, um, you know, you can't, you, nobody should be telling jokes at somebody else's expense. And I wrote her back and I said, ma'am, every joke is at somebody else's expense. Every yep. single joke. You know, my wife, she's, uh, you know, she's in the kitchen. She's cooking and, uh, you know, she's no cook, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. Whether it from, from Jay Leno. But some, some people perceive humor as being lighthearted. Joan Rivers comes to mind of someone that walked the razor's edge. Go on to anything that she talked about in her very long lasting 60 plus year career, my God, she said things that would, you know. Oh yeah. Curl the toes of an elephant. <laughs> Big time. And and very Jewish stuff. Oh yeah. German stuff, racist stuff, disabled stuff, people in wheelchair stuff. Joan, there was nothing. And she'd go, oh, come on. I know. <laughs> oh, shut up. Oh, just get out of here then. Like she, she just, and maybe that's the comedy that passed, but uh, C.K. Lewis was a guy oh, yeah. that told jokes. I mean, he's kind of disappeared. I know he's doing a few little things now, coming back slowly, but, you know, he said things that were so disparaging, so brutally, like about women, sexuality, rape. So, you oh, know, we've got, to find, we've got to find perspective here. Go look at the joke. Jada Pinkett Smith, you know, you know I love you. I can't right. wait. I can't wait for G.I. Jane 2 to come out. Will laughed. He, he was did. laughing. He did. Jada was rolling her eyes. And then something clicked in. This machismo. You know, this is live television. They basically have said that there's a billion people watching. The, Sounds the, about right. The Oscars. Mm-hmm. That's they, they do get a lot of people watching. He marches up there in his suit, whacks the guy. Then he comes, sits in his chair. We're still in live TV, folks. Get my wife's name out of your effing mouth. He repeats right. it again. Get mm-hmm. my wife's name or keep my wife's name out of your effing mouth. Right. Now, fast forward five minutes. We're announcing the best actor category. You know, and guess whose name gets called? Will Smith. He goes up there and does one of the longest speeches in Oscar history that remains completely televised. No music to play him off. 
Nobody saying that's it. No red light flashing. And if it was, they overrode it. So there's a lot people from the, the Academy, the people running that show have a lot to atone for. I'm telling you right now, um, I, I, I don't know in what world when someone assaults somebody else on live television, that they are not escorted away from the show. And apparently he was asked to leave and he didn't. Did you hear that? Uh -uh. By what, the floor director? Whoever, security guards or whoever was in charge of the event. I mean, I, I heard that he was asked to leave and he, and he said no. And then he got a standing ovation during his speech, which he was deserved if he didn't, you know, deck Chris Rock. But this is the thing. And then people have brought up, you know, the fact that the Academy is looking into the incident. People have called for him to have his Academy Award taken away from him, which I don't agree with. I just don't. And I'll tell you why. Because if they start doing that for behavior, whether his was caught on TV or not, hmm. Roman Polanski oh, has right. been, you know, in another country for 40 years because of a rape charge with a minor, a young woman. He's never come back to the States because he faces those charges. Um, Woody Allen has been in the headlines time and time again. Uh, if you think back many, many years ago, he married basically his adopted daughter mm -hmm. and, you know, has been facing all kinds of allegations heavily over the last 20 years. He's got multiple Oscars. Do we take that away? Do we take Romans away? Where, where do you where do you start? If you start digging up dirt on everybody. Oh my gosh. I mean, right? we've all got, well, most of us, I have friends that don't have any ghosts. My mom was a freaking saint. I, I always said to her, mom, you've never done anything in your life. I had to force <laughs> her to swear. When she had Alzheimer's, I remember going down the road and I said, mom, say F this or F that. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I said, please, please. I just want to hear you say it once in my life. <laughs> it's like wanting to hear Mr. Rogers swear or something. I guess. <laughs> but she did it for me. And she laughed. That's funny. She laughed and laughed. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, it doesn't matter what side you take. There's people that are Chris Rock, pro Chris Rock, pro Will Smith. He had every right to. You have no business commenting on, you know, two black guys doing their thing. You don't know the culture. I mean, I had lots of messages to me like that. And I'm thinking, I don't care what color they are. I don't care what the circumstance is. If we run around just hitting people and, and no, for, for saying something that you don't like or you don't agree with, look at the climate of the last two years. All we have is people saying things back and forth to each other, no matter what side of the line you're on. Oh, yeah. That we don't agree with, that are offensive, we're hurling, hurling insults. You know, hopefully we haven't seen a lot of this kind of behavior. Anyway, we're going to come back. Um, you're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. Do we have time still? Should I say? Should you can I wrap go? it up and we can come back after the break. Yes, we can. Thank you, Adam. See, yeah. without Caitlin here, we have no, <laughs> we have nobody overseeing us. We miss you, Caitlin. We do. We'll be right back. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? <laughs> <laughs> 
was a that was a nice one. Okay. Welcome back. Well, you just heard the joke that was the joke that was heard around the world. <laughs> and the slap that was felt around the world. Exactly. It was very traumatizing for people, Adam. It, it was, was hard really, to watch. It really was jarring. It, it is. It ruined the rest of the night for the nominees, the other winners. Um Anyway, we're going to play you this next clip. This is Ricky Gervais, who we all know and love very well. I think he's brilliant. He is um, very blue line. The man was born to offend people. He owns it. He says, that's what I do. You know, if you don't find it funny, don't listen to me. Right. This is him at a Golden Globe ceremony. And this is a very edgy kind of joke pointed towards Leonardo DiCaprio and um, I'll just say, as we go to this clip, that Leonardo DiCaprio did not get up out of his seat and slap Ricky Gervais. And I think this is a much more, uh, this is a much deeper, heavier, offensive joke to me. Here we go, Ricky Gervais. It wasn't the only epic movie. Once upon a time in Hollywood, nearly three hours long, Leonardo DiCaprio attended the premiere, and by the end, his date was too old for him. So, <laughs> even Prince Andrew's like, come on, Leo, mate, you know, <laughs> you're nearly 50, son. So, what do you think, Adam? That gay, the, the movie was so long that your date was too old for you at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's offensive. And I mean, look, I, I actually rewatched the whole, I think it was the opening to the 2020 Golden Globes, if I'm not mistaken. And I thought his speech was brilliant. I mean, it's scathing and he trashes Hollywood. And he's like, I don't care, I don't care. Like, I, I loved it. I think it's sheer brilliance and I love his comedy. So tell, tell me, what, what's the difference? How, how is it that, and, and you can't tell me if Leonardo had gotten up and cracked him across the head. A, I think Ricky would have fought back. Yeah. But let's think about Chris Rock. Here's a guy in an already impossible situation. In fact, most of the people that have ever spoken about hosting the Oscars expect a, an enormous fallout critically when they're done. You know, they, they worry about it. They spend three months getting themselves in physical shape to get the outfit on and to go do the jokes and to write it. And it, I can't imagine the pressure when you step out in front of a billion people and all those famous people to do your craft and to kind of directing traffic. That's what you're doing as a host. Yeah. And you're supposed to make people laugh. And people said, oh, Jan, it's not a roast. Well, you know what? I disagree. Watch any Oscars in the last 30 years. It's a roast. And if you're sitting in the first row, someone tweeted me and said, if you actually expect to sit in the front row of the Oscars and not be made fun of, well, that, that's the same as going to SeaWorld and not being expected to be hit by water with yeah. like the aquatic stuff, which is completely wrong and they should be shut down. No animals should be captivated and, and in a marine land or anything like that. So right. cut it out. Anyway, Agreed. that was just my fast talking <laughs> statement. So do you know what I mean? So if you're sitting in the front rows and you are up for big awards, then you're, you're sorry, game on. It's so hard for me because, I mean, isn't context everything? I mean, look, you could be offended by anything. Anything. And it's so hard to say. I mean, I can take a joke about myself. I know my, 
my downfalls and my foibles or whatever the word is. Like, I know yep. myself. I can take a joke. I would make a joke about myself. Like, and look, it's what, I mean, if you want to dig down, making fun of someone's disability or, or, uh, or, or illness. No, at the root of doing that, it's, of course, it's not But funny. it's every comedian and it's certain, it's not the first time it's happened at the Oscars. The right. thing that everyone is shocked about is that it wasn't shut down. You know, and that that he wasn't escorted out of the building. Like, I just, I think everyone was so shocked that they didn't make good decisions. And Chris Rock has to carry on. But I'll tell you what, he's got the support of the comedic community. And Will Smith well, is considered a comedian. I don't think he's considered a stand-up comedian. But the the conversation has really shifted. I think people have had a few days to really think about, you know, this was almost a week ago, tomorrow. And they've had a chance to think about what happened and how it affected them and how he ruined the night for everyone. And the apology the next day, I'm sorry, it was written by somebody doing triage in his publicity department. It just sure. sounded, it just sounded so generic. Right. Um, but you know what? Your character is your fate, Adam. Here's a man mm -hmm. that spent 30 years building up a career, starting with, you know, Fresh Prince. I'm sure there was a few things before that, but building up a career as an action hero. He's had so many successful movies, you know, has a family, pretty solid marriage. You know, they, he's, he's, he looked, he, he, it appeared like he was making his way through his career and his personal life with a lot of grace. And in that moment, disagree with me if you want. I think he tore it all down. Yeah. He will, it will always be the story. It is never going away. That that was such a, a an impactful moment in a negative way. I mean, look, one of my favorite movies is is Independence Day. I love that movie from '96 with uh, mm -hmm. Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith, and I love that movie. Look, I'm not saying I won't watch it or I'm going to boycott it or ban no, it. No, no, I'm not but, talking about boycotts, but, like, but I'm I just will, saying, yeah, it's in on my a head. on a personal basis, mm -hmm. yep. what you've built up, yeah, tore it down. Is it, he tore it down and he did it himself? He torched it himself. Yeah. And if he wants sympathy and if he wants an industry, it'll be very curious to me going forward. I mean, Hollywood's very forgiving and sometimes the bad boy done wrong and, and trying to, you know, find himself in a, in a more favorable light. Hollywood loves that stuff. People mm -hmm. love that stuff. They love a comeback story and they love to forgive somebody because somehow it, it puts them on higher footing. I forgave him and, you know, he's not a bad guy. And he's made some great movies and he yeah. made a mistake. But I'm thinking on Chris Rock's side, uh, he immediately launched a tour. Chris Rock is going out to do comedy. Yes. And I think, and this is how it works, I think they will both go on to be incredibly successful. I think Chris Rock's tour is going to sell out, sell out, sell out. Oh, yeah. And... You know, people are like, oh, Chris Rock is relevant again. Oh, would you shut up with relevance? This word relevant all the time. I'm called irrelevant. I could have a number one book and a record and a TV show on and be inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame in the course of a month and people are calling me irrelevant. So that's we need to rethink what that word is. Well, yeah, that's what I mean, Adam. I've been hurt by so many comments, physical comments. You're so fat. You're ugly. You're beautiful. Like you're not. putting lipstick on a pig. But do you know what I mean? This yeah. is, but this is the commentary of social media. I have been called things to my face in public. Really? I have never even imagined going up and slapping someone or pushing them or, or having, that's not my instinct. But I love the timing with Will that that was that click, click, boom. One, 1,000, 
to 1,000. The laugh, yep. pre-1,000. The eye roll, Jada, for 1,000. Five 1,000, audience laughing. Then he's up. Yeah, that took a while. It wasn't like an instant what, response. So if that is a person's default setting, how do they make their way through their entire lives? Because he's always played himself. And never mind, he just wrote a freaking book called Will. Peace, love, kindness, togetherness. Yeah. Love will find the way. That is the antithesis, and it kind of shows you how much BS that whole narrative is. And that's just how I feel about it. Anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was so frustrating and so disappointing to see it. And well, look, it's a week later. I'm still traumatized by what I saw on television. It was very traumatic to see him do that. I'm like, oh my God, am I watching this? Oh my God, that happened. Yeah. Remember when Adrian Brody got his Academy Award years ago and he went up on stage and he was being presented by um, Haley Berry. And he, in a moment of exaltation and joy, tipped her back and kissed her on the mouth. Yeah, that wouldn't fly today. Not that it should have then. But. No, but, but I think, but for people to use that example that he sexually assaulted her, I just thought, I wanted, I just wanted to tell that woman that using these kinds of examples is not helpful because it's not even in the same arena. It's not even in the same realm. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're going to lighten things up because yes. Tiffany Pratt and Stephen Hodge are here. They've got second season of Project Bake Off going yeah. on on the Food Network. First, first uh, episode aired last night. They're going to be here with us. They're delightful people. They're so fun. And, and uh, we're not even going to ask them about this. We're not even going to mention nope. it. Nope. not going to talk And about we're it. never going to talk about it again. And I'm, but I'm glad we did talk about it, Adam, because I feel yeah. like our listeners be like, what did you guys think about it? And I know Caitlin would have weighed in. Oh, and we might, well, you know what? We might have to address this again next week, folks, and ask Caitlin. Caitlin. Sounds good. Uh, you're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. I'm with Adam Karsh. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome back to the Jan Arden Podcast. What a day we have. We are like, I'm telling you, we're killing it these last few weeks, aren't we, Adam? We're just like, we have we have foodies with us today. We do. We are killing it. And we love talking about food on this show. We love talking about cooking. We love talking about baking. We love talking to good-looking people. Thank God Steve's here. <laughs> I am here with, you know, some amazing, amazing people that are doing a show that I'm going to be peeled to and watching every single moment. Project Bakeover. We've got their beautiful host, Steve Hodge and Tiffany Pratt. The crowd goes wild. You guys, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having us. I can speak for Steve and myself. We're really excited to be here with you guys. Truly, Jen. Well, thank you so much. It's, uh, this is exciting. You know, oh my God, you got your little dog with you too, Tiffany. Oh yeah, she's Ooh. a Kyla. It's a wiener dog. Does that wiener dog have a bun that he goes into? She's pretty much always in a bun. She's always got a little blank. So <laughs> I'm repositioning her. I apologize. Jan, uh, we can't we can't start about her wiener dog. She won't. She won't. Oh uh, well, listen. I my my I have a, a new puppy as well. Um, he's Morky. His name is Poppy. He was born November 11th. He eats plants. He's peeing everywhere in the house. My dog's name's Poppy. What? My dog's name's Poppy. Stop it, Tiffany! Right effing now. Yes. 
Okay, well, my dog is Poppy because he was born November the 11th, so I called him Poppy. She's November the 8th. That's why I did it too, for Remembrance Day. Do, 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 do. Welcome to the Jan Arden Podcast. This episode is Strange Things That Happen on Project Bakeover. Sorry. I'm telling you, Tiffany, this is really, really weird. Steve, you have to. Admit, well, I'm just. I was, this is I was weird. Gonna, I was just going to say. I, I think there's a bond happening. So, Adam, do you want to go grocery shopping with me? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Uh, I got to pick up a couple things. <laughs> okay, Stephen, do you have a dog born in November named Poppy? No, you don't. Exactly. Thank you very much. And Steve doesn't understand dogs, Jen. He has two children, and a dog just will throw him over the edge. So he thinks I'm a loon because I have thrown, you know. I'm a middle-aged woman. Let's put all my love on this dog. I said to Laura, my wife, I said, we should get a dog. She goes, I already have three kids. I don't need a fourth. Well, I think, you know, I have a lot of girlfriends, too, that are at a certain age. I, for I forgot to have kids. I, I mean, I just forgot to have them. And um, so, yeah, you do pour your love into a dog. And then you pour your, your love into your work, which I'm going to talk to you about right now, Tiffany and Stephen. So we've just had the first episode of Project Makeover. On the Food Frickin' Network, you guys tell me everything about it. Who wants to go first? How did this happen? How exciting is it? Are you, have you, are you on the treadmill all day long? What's happening? In a nutshell, uh, season two, Tiff and I met for the very first time, episode one, season one. Cameras were rolling, Jen. Cameras were rolling. This bright light walked into the room, pink Aww. hair, unicorns, rainbows, I've never seen anything like it. The first thing that came to my head was, oh, my God, my daughter is going to like Tiffany more than me. <laughs> and we literally became brother and sister day one. And fast forward season two, we understand each other. We appreciate each other. We respect each other. And Aww. Tiff's design and my food have kind of just come together as one and we just, you know, we come on set now and it's like, I need to do this, 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 this. And it's just like, it, it's like, for me, it's like dancing in a kitchen with Tiff when people are in your way. You just, you know exactly what you need to do. And re really, Jen, this is a feel good show. Tiff and it I. It is. It absolutely um, is. Yeah, Tiff and I on our, our, our daily basis, this is what we do in real life. And we're not stopping when we're offset. We're working in our other places via phone, computer, whatever. Um, and we just, we, we have a bond with each other. And we, we know, we come into work, we know what we have to do. There's a lot of banter. There's a lot of eating food. There's a lot of jokes. But we're Which we're is great. One, That's what yeah. makes it so great. And, and, and there's, we have one goal in mind, setting these bakeries off for success, right? And showing them something they'd never thought was possible. I was going to say, this is the ultimate food pairing. I mean, talk about pairing wine and food. You're, you're pairing a room. You're pairing a space with food. And going across this country, meeting these people that are in desperate need of help, guidance, mentorship, encouragement, inspiration, and God, who doesn't need that during what we've just freaking been through? And never mind that, people do want to turn the TV on. Tiffany, I'm going to throw this over to you and see joy encouragement, inspiration, and you are so great with that. You both are, but how do you walk into a space? Is it overwhelming to see some of these places and go, where do I start? 
No, I, I don't feel that way. I feel excited. And I think after what we've all just been through, it's been such a timely show and it's been such a gift to be able to help people because often, you know, television, sometimes you don't get that opportunity to help somebody. And this show is all about helping and yeah. it's all about inspiring. And the thing that uh, I love with Project Bakeover is that we have creative freedom to do the things we love to do in the world and help someone see the potential of their business and themselves at the same time. So it's like by making over these bakeries, both from the kitchen to the front of house, we're also making over these people where they realize, oh, for sure, oh, my goodness, like I'm sitting on this beautiful property. And now I there's like so much I could be doing with my with my business, with my life. And and it's uh, as Steve said, you know, we do this in real life and we've created uh, a kinship where we learned how to work together and this season is not going to disappoint. We really, um, we gave it all we had this year. What it's very emotional. Like I, I, I think if I was like one of the hosts of the show, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, if you ever need a guest host, um, I'd be crying all the time. And I know it is. And I know that, yeah, well, Tiffany, I get it. But these people, not only are they learning about we all get stuck in our old tricks. Let's do the croissants. Let's do some donuts. Let's do a long john. Let's get the butter tarts out on the rack. And Stephen, you you go in and you're just like, I'm going to show you simple but beautiful. I'm going to bring you all my experience that your customers are going to freaking flip out for. Like it looks so beautiful. And they're just stunned. Like we can do that in our kitchen. We can make that. So, you know, when we go in and and I always emphasize about the show is like, Janet, it, it is as real as it gets. There, it's not yeah. scripted. Tiff and I go in. It doesn't feel we, that way at all. No. We we may have an idea on how the bakery is, but get in there and it can completely change. So we have to change on a, on, on a dime. And I think why Tiff and I are able to do this is because of our experience and what we do on a daily basis. So we have the confidence to go in there. And for us, I think, on, on the culinary side, on the cooking side, I, I like myself, I was fortunate to work for a lot of chefs that not only did they show me how to make a tart, they explained to me why certain things happen and reactions happen. And when I'm explaining the cooking aspect to the, the chefs, it's not about, here, make a dough, line the tart, make your, your custard, fill it, bake it. It's why do we line it? Um, what, what happens if we put this type of flour in this tart dough? Like what are the chemical reactions? And it's about knowledge. And once a, a, a bakery owner understands that, that aren't that experienced, they can now come and create their own recipes. I was going to say that can, yeah, they can, they can take that. So it is a tart crust, but all of a sudden it goes into something completely different. And who doesn't want to learn new things? We all, we go along in our jobs. It's very perfunctory. I mean, imagine getting up, you know, three 30 in the morning every day, making 400 loaves of bread and this and that. Uh, listen, don't go away. I'm talking to Tiffany Pratt and Stephen Hodge project bakeover season two is off and running and uh, we're going to find out more about just what goes on behind the scenes. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Jan Arden podcast with my new friends, Tiffany Pratt and Stephen Hodge. We're back. 
Uh, listen, we've been talking about <laughs> on the break, just so you know, we, we did uh, talk about sphincters very briefly because of my dog just got his hair, first haircut and his bum's quite, quite bare now, quite barren. And, uh, but we're all, we all like just talking about staying regular, keeping on track. What was it like traveling across the country and how do you travel? What do you do? Well, Steve and I, we talk about what, what's around wherever we are together. We collectively talk about the food we've tried and what to avoid and what to, <laughs> and what to not avoid. Yeah. Um, Don't have the shawarma on the corner yeah. of 9th and Main. Well, I will. I, I, I have actually, <laughs> I, I, because I'm not from Ontario and I don't eat shawarma and never have, Tip introduced it to me and we were on set. And we're getting ready for a scene, <laughs> and I, I had to leave. Um, the shawarma hit. Yeah. It hit hard. Yeah. Listen, we learned that the hard way. Many, many years of late night food, much of the time when you finish playing and everyone piles onto the buses, the only thing open at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning is usually a donair place or a shawarma place or a place that does wings and pizza. I mean, add to this that I am vegan. So. I, uh, you know, but back in the day when we did do the shawarma and the, the things like that, it, it does, it does hit like the bell is dinging, the bus driver's pulling over and everyone's running into the ditch. So what can I say? It's my job as a co-star to let my other co-star know if there's something that's going to give them the, the bowel jumbles, you know? <laughs> oh, I love you guys. And it, and it goes both ways. And I think we have each other's back. Like Tiff eats a lot of salads. So I'm constantly... Yeah picking greens out of her teeth before we go on set. Yep. That's love. That really is love. Steve eats two lunches, Jan. So um, I like you, Steve. <laughs> yeah. I like a two lunch. It's like a Lord of the Rings, 11sies or 10sies yeah. or 9sies or <laughs> Adam is nodding. And he grazes on my lunch and I'm like, I think you're good. Okay, Hodge? I think you're good. <laughs> so when you do catering on the show, like you're working around food all day. And for me, I would imagine that would be a little bit... Uh, nauseating at times, you know, you're just, especially on the cooking days, especially when you're shooting the food and, and getting everything prepped. Do you guys actually break and have a lunch brought in or do you have catering there? How does that work? How, how is the production work on, on your show? We do have lunch every day. There's obviously a craft yes. table. Oh um, yeah. We, we, we try to push the craft table to be somewhat healthy, but it's usually um, cheese sticks and crackers and cookies do you do you often do you often get a bugle do you have you have any bugles or nuts and bolts on that table <laughs> no bugles no nuts and bolts no bugles no no we we i mean we eat we eat every day um i i don't know like maybe it's just me working in the restaurants but um yeah i don't have a problem with food i mean food and i get into it like i every day i wake up i'm like okay i i'm I'm getting into it with the food. We're, we're in an argument right now because it's like, what am I going to eat? I have to interrupt you, Steve, because I don't think Jan <laughs> understands who she's talking to. Jan, I, I, I thought I did. I got the memos. I, I... I'm going to come in here and let you know that Steve is the most compulsive eater I've ever met in my life. And there's never a moment of time where Steve is not eating, drinking, or thinking about what he's going to eat or drink next. And it's on. Well, you're a true foodie, Steve. You're it's a true on foodie. The half hour. It's on the half hour. It's mm -hmm. like, and I can see it when his eyes are getting red. I'm like, Steve, <laughs> something in his mouth because he's not chewing for the first time in 15 minutes and he can't think straight. So the yeah. craft table, the lunches, yeah. the cooking, all of that stuff is his world. Yeah. And he is the real deal. He loves 
trying food, eating food, going out for food, anyone of any type of any food, grandma comes around and says, oh, I see you're working hard. Here's a pie. He'll eat the whole damn pie. <laughs> Tip, we'll be in a scene and Tip will be enunciate your words, Steve. But we need to get him something to eat. His mouth is dry. <laughs> they don't, they really, they actually don't need me here today. Adam, you you and I can go. We, 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 we can just leave. Um, listen, I want to go back in time when you kids were, you know, going to school, bringing a lunch. Did either of you have a lunch kit going to school or did you go home at lunchtime? What was the deal and what did you have? Can you, do you have a memory of, uh, a junior high lunch or what was, Absolutely. okay, yeah. go. I mean, I, I, Jen, I grew up in a, in a foodie house. So my mom is, um, Croatian. Oh, love it. So my mom cooked, we never went out for dinner. Um, and she cooked fresh every single day. And I think that's why part of the reason I became a chef. But I had an understanding of food at a young age. And my mom made us lunch for school every day. And she, like, you know, where the typical person would have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in their lunch Whatever. My mom, my mom would put leftovers from dinner. So she'd have, like, stuffed peppers, oh, uh, meatloaf, um, always a cookie. Always homemade cookies in my lunch. I love cookies. Peanut butter cookies. You never got a wiener in your thermos? That's what my mom sent me no. in. And then it would absorb all the water and you couldn't get it out. <laughs> Welcome to country living. You'd be like whacking the bottom of the, this blue plastic thermos to get the wiener out. My mom thought, well, I thought it was a good idea at the time. I just thought you'd really enjoy that, but I guess... Oh, Tiffany, any lunch memories? Sorry, the wiener in the thermos threw you. I know. No, I it's because I, I understand it. My, <laughs> like, my mother, do you remember uh, Cher in the movie uh, Mermaids? And she'd have. Yes. Okay, well, that was my mother. And oh, wow. So all I could tell you is, and I'm a snowflake eater, I'm so picky. And I, I, food is not like, it's not my. So Steve and I are like polar opposites with food, which works for the show. Project yeah. Bakeover on the Food Network. So just, so I'm sorry, I got to do my job here, you guys. I got to make sure they know what the hell we're talking about. The, 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 the only thing Tip and I have in common when it comes to Is your to hair. Food, no. no. Uh, donuts from Tim Hortons. Oh, the Tim bits? And blizzards, blizzards from Dairy Queen, score yeah. blizzards. Oh, wow. How rando. Yeah. yeah. So when we're done set, Tip <laughs> usually rolls into set. She goes to to Timmy's in the morning. She has her donut. No, and then we're, we're done set. And I make her all now, this Adam. amazing stuff. She goes to Dairy Queen for a blizzard wow. before. A so nightmare. you know what he's doing is he's telling you what he's doing. And yeah. he's <laughs> off on me. Well, you know, I think that's why this is a magical partnership. You guys are like Abbott and yeah. Costello, uh, Simon and Garfunkel, Richard and Karen Carpenter, only you're the foodie version. Listen, we've, we're, we're down to the last few seconds, so I just want to remind people, Project Bakeover with the amazing Tiffany Pratt and Stephen Hodge. Tiffany is redoing these spaces, and she is bringing tears and joy and hope to these people. Stephen is teaching them, mentoring them, inspiring them, and giving us all salvation moments where we also salivate. Salvation and salivate at the same time. Thanks for what you're doing. I wish I had like 99 more minutes. Adam is giving me the spin around that we got to go. Food Network is so lucky to have you guys are so kind. I hope we get a chance to cross paths in person. I would love to sit and 
eat a vegan donut with you, Tiffany and Stephen. Um, look after yourselves. The best is yet to come. And thanks for being on the Jan Arden podcast. Well, let's let's talk food again. Let's go back on that podcast and spend and just talk food. Let, we're going to do it. Congratulations on season two. Let's hope season three, four, five, seven, nine, eleven, and twelve are coming. Um, and we'll talk to you soon. We love you, Jan. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you. Totally do. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.